Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And welcome to the Man on the Post Weekend Review. And we're back from an extended international break. Sorry about that. Uh, my name's Chris and joining me back after well, raising Newcastle's next number nine, shall we say. It's Dave. Hello, hello. How are we doing? I'm good, sir. How are you? Yes, very good, thank you. If not, a little tired. A little tired. I can imagine <laughs> a little tired is probably an understatement. <laughs> yeah, it's good fun doing it. Oh, well, so at least all those late-night feeds and stuff will give you time to catch up on the football in peace and quiet, I suppose. Not so much the peace and quiet part, but you'd be surprised how much you get watched in the, <laughs> in, in the wee hours. <laughs> uh, so, uh, not quite a full weekend of Premier League football this weekend. This is, there is Monday night football yet to be played, uh, so Dave doesn't get to wax a little about his beloved Newcastle and their, <laughs> their, their super-scoring defenders. Um, but so we'll start off with a trip to the uh, London Stadium uh, for the early kickoff on Saturday, which was weirdly I didn't think I'd ever be saying these words. But Jose Mourinho's first game in charge of of Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, we might as well talk about that first. Did you see this coming? Uh, definitely not. I mean, it, it seemed like the writing was on the wall for Pochettino um, for for a little for quite a while, really. But I just didn't think Mourinho going there fit in with how Tottenham have done anything for the last couple of years. Mm. Um, and especially with the amount of younger players that they've they've got, which Pochettino's brought through, uh, it, it's I can't help but think he's going to run into the same problems he ran into at Man United eventually. Yeah, it, it, it's not a fit at all. It's all going to end in flames, I presume. So Mourinho's a, uh, a manager who very much likes to spend money, bring his own players in, buy experienced players, and, and not give you for chance. And then it's Tottenham Hotspur who don't like to spend money, like to bring young players through, and are, are very particular about the, the sort of players they do. And I also thought it's weird that the rumour is that uh, Pochettino finally went because he'd um, caused problems with certain players in the dressing room. There's obviously um, some behind-the-scenes things going on there, and yet they bring in Jose Mourinho, who is famous for creating divisions in changing rooms. I know. As I said, it just seems like... A- I wouldn't say a backward step because if you can get Mourinho at his peak, you can't always feel it'd be good for Tottenham mm-hmm. in, in in the short term. Uh, long term, Tottenham haven't necessarily been a club to to go from one manager to another season after season, and uh, every club Mourinho has left has, has tended to be in a in a worse position yeah, than, yeah. Uh, than when he went in there. I guess it is weird, you know, sacking your most successful manager who's arguably got you into a, a pretty good position. Okay, things haven't been going well recently, but then bring yeah, bringing in Marina. I think he's on a deal until twenty twenty two, I believe. Uh, I I don't for a second believe he will get to the end of that because Marina has this habit of imploding after eighteen months. He does, but he tends tends to win something first before he implodes. Mm-hmm. So no, Car- it, Caribou Cup winners, here we come. <laughs> well. Let's hope that's all it is, because if, uh, <laughs> I know, well, it'd be bad enough for you, I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, 
it's uh, it is very strange, and it's happened so quickly as well, which I always think is a bit snide because mm-hmm. it's obviously been talked about for a while, hasn't it? Yeah, especially when it happened as well. It happened at the end of the international break rather than at the beginning. So I think when it was announced on the Wednesday, was it Wednesday night? Maybe. Uh, do you leave the Tuesday and get a point the Wednesday morning? Maybe, yeah. I know. Oh, no. said, on the evening it was announced. Anyway, considering it was quite quite late in the evening as well, I I was almost pretty sure they'd agreed someone else to come in because yeah, with a couple of days of an international window to go, you don't sack your manager unless you've got someone ready to go. And uh, so the Mourinho um, deal was announced like seven a.m. the day after. Yeah, and stuff like that. So you know, obviously, all everything had been done all in advance. There, um, rumours of Pochettino turning up at Old Trafford, or maybe the Emirates in the next week or so. Uh, Goodison Park's also been mentioned as a destination. I don't see him going to two of them, but will he really turn up at the Emirates? No, I think that's a, I think it's a pipe dream. Um, I mean, obviously for Arsenal, it'll be a, a great get because he fits in with a lot of your ethos to be honest of having a lot of oh, yeah, you know he'd be great for us I reckon younger players coming through but uh, I cannot see him going to his former club's biggest rivals a matter of weeks after he just left them although if he's got an axe to grind you know if he, if, if he feels like he's been treated badly at, uh, at, um, at Tottenham you know you know, it's, you know everyone get back at, you know go and sleep with their sister type of thing <laughs> well <laughs> um, I mean it might happen but uh I just can't see it, to be honest. I think if Emery does go, which we'll come on to later on, uh, I imagine Arsenal will go for Arteta at Man City, mm. but we'll see. Well, at least we can't get Mourinho now, so there is a positive in all this. <laughs> uh, so speaking of Mourinho, then, so he rang some changes in his first game in charge of, to- of Tottenham. Uh, I, don't, I believe he's never lost his first game in charge of a club, apart from his very first game in management, which came at Benfica. Uh, he bought in, in a typical Mourinho move, he bought in Eric Dyer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, heard, the most Mourinho player ever. I heard BT waxing Eric, Eric Dyer and how Mourinho would try to sign him for Man United. I was like, well, surely, if anyone tries to sign Eric Dyer, you don't stop them. Like, <laughs> that doesn't sound like good business. But uh, you have to say what the changes he made suited Tottenham down the ground. Yeah, um, they played much better. To be fair. I think a couple of the Spurs fans I know have been asking for Ben Davies to play ahead of Danny Rose for months. Mm-hmm. Um, as Danny Rose basically finds new and different ways to piss off the hierarchy there, saying he, you know, doesn't even like football and he'll stay at the end of his deal regardless whether he plays or not and all this kind of stuff. So it was only a matter of time, I think, before he was he was dropped. Um, it was an easy win, I think, for Mourinho in that in that respect. Um, but even just things like playing playing Son really high up as a result of having a, obviously a left a left back that wasn't going to track forward, um, it just. They looked so much more of a threat. Yeah, Deli Ali actually looked like the player he was a couple of seasons ago. Uh, he's, he's, I say, Spurs going away three-two winners. Uh, he in, inside the first like ten minutes, he put multiple players through uh, around the back of the West Ham defence. Uh, Harry Kane had a goal disallowed for offside uh, in that period as well. Um, but yeah, Ali looked like he's going to, you know, could flourish. He's obviously been given a little bit more uh, of a role. Uh, rather than just going out and doing his own thing, and it, it seemed to be working, unfortunately. Yeah, he looked like the player they'd been missing, to be honest, um, and certainly, certainly the player Ericsson should have been for these last couple of months. Um, but as well, I mean, Tottenham couldn't have asked for better opponents because West Ham are on a very, very poor run. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, I wasn't here when we did the podcast for uh, Newcastle's win at West Ham, but the fact that Pellegrini played... Pablo Zabaleta and played a West Ham line uh, which pretty much on the halfway line against 
all we have is pace and they can't finish. But when you've got a 40-yard head start against Pablo Zabaleta, it's going to cause some problems. Mm-hmm. And it happened again and again and again. And they hadn't learned a single thing because exactly the same thing happened yesterday. Yeah, it, it, it's really strange because they are on this bad run that seems to have coincided with Roberto coming into the team. They've not won a single game he's played in. And, and going into this game, they've conceded 16 goals in the seven games he's played in. And and he looked so short of confidence. And I think it spread to his defenders. Like, there was no confidence in him whatsoever. I mean, he is absolutely terrible. And he has crisp packets for hands. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he actively gets out of the way of shots. Like, yeah. There's nothing good to say about him, really. I'm sure it's just a bad form, but how bad is... I, mean, I was going to say, how bad is, our, is West Ham's third-choice keeper? But if the keeper who was on loan at Millwall last season, who threw that one in his net in injury time in is the it, FA Cup, you may recall. one of the Martins? It's, uh, yeah, it's David Martin, David Alvin, Martin Martin, yeah. Alvin Martin's son. Um, but yes, he, I mean, he must be sitting on the bench thinking, if I don't get a game here, I am never, ever going to play for this club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Roberto, he was, he was at fault for the first goal. Uh, then there was a free kick where um, uh, Diop had the audacity to be fouled by Harry Kane uh, and got booked for the for the pleasure of it. And that, <laughs> that, that free kick was fired over, and like it was shocking. It was like, like I'm expecting him to turn up at the Emirates next season. His goalkeeping was that bad. <laughs> like he, he just come flying out for it. And to be fair, you know. Wet, West Ham managed to pull it back towards the end to come away with three uh, two, but I think that flattered flattered them a little bit because every time Tottenham came forward, it looked like they'd score, and not because yes, West Ham weren't weren't great, but the defence they were so unsure of everything. I think there was a time when the ball came over um, towards the goal, and I think it, I think it was Diop again. And he, you could tell he didn't know what to do. He didn't, he, he didn't know where his goalkeeper was, so he had to stop and look. And then he didn't know whether to clear the ball or knock it back to his goalkeeper. And if you, if as a defender you haven't got confidence in your goalkeeper, it's going to cause those hesitations where a decent team will punish you for it. And that's kind of what happened yesterday. And I think it's going to continue to happen um, until they do something about it. But you know, Fabianski's out for a little while yet. Do you give the young lad a chance, perhaps, or? He's not even that young. I think he's uh, he's thirty. Um, okay, he, he looks he, he looks quite young on the bench. Well, well, like you, I assumed he was just some young kid who had been loaning out. But uh, it turned out they um, they got him from like MK Dons or not. He's thirty three. Bloody hell! I know that's what I'm saying. Like he must, he's just like resigned to a life of sat on the been sat on the bench at West Ham. Like, so he's the Scott Carson of West Ham. Yeah, he, he played two hundred and seventy four games at MK Dons, and you can't tell me that's not enough to displace Roberto. To be fair, you'd, you'd, give, you'd give anybody a go at this uh, at this uh, point, surely. You know, when he's, well, he's that out of form and, and and causing disruption at the back, you'd play anybody. Well, you'd think, wouldn't you? But I say they had multiple opportunity now to to, to replace him. Hmm. I mean, it was so bad against us, and that was about three games ago. So. Yeah, uh, Harry Kane netted his 20th goal in 21 games this season for club and country. Or, although I would ask, is that really is that stat really masking some poor form? Because I don't particularly think Harry Kane's been that impressive this season. He looked a bit better in this game. And how many goals has he scored against like the likes of Kosovo and that lot that have you know beefed that up a little bit? Yeah, I think that is a bit misleading. Um, he's got hat tricks against, as you say, the likes of. Kosovo, and he got one against was it Red Star in the in the Champions mm-hmm. League? Did he yeah. get a hat trick there? So 
I could, there's probably more games where he hasn't scored which have gone under the radar but yeah. Tottenham oh. in general have, have been very poor this season let's not mess around they were 14th going into the fixtures this weekend and he hasn't really scored that many goals I can remember against the likes of Watford at home that kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah so uh, I thought it was funny when BT were praying at that time you know Harry Kane you know 20 goals in 21 games I'm thinking he's been terrible all season did you um, see when he uh, blocked a free kick when he was in the wall and he's the only player in history to ever block a free kick. And, and Glenn Hoddle pretty much gave him the Victoria Cross there and then. Oh, no, I didn't. No, no, I, don't, I missed that. Oh, I, well, I think Cresswell hit a free kick, which hit, it hit him square in the face, and he went down and, you know, hmm. he got a bit of treatment. And Glenn Hoddle reacted like he was the only man in the history of football to ever block a free kick. It's a big fucking face, though, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I saw his, uh, his, his uh, Robert Snodgrass, like, knocking him out by breathing near him. Uh you know, he went to ground quite easily, which was, I think that went all around Twitter yesterday as well. It was absolutely shocking. But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't think he's been that good, you know. Hopefully this, uh, well, not hopefully, but uh, this reformed Tottenham side can maybe get a bit more out of him. You know, they, 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 to, they do look rejuvenated. You'd have to say it will suit him playing the way Mourinho plays because he'll have Son, Ali and Moura all around him. Yeah. Um, and like right next to him, pretty much similar to England, really, where he does thrive. You have to say in that formation with you know Sancho, Sterling, and whoever else in behind him. So he's one of those where the more players he's got around him, he can link with them. He, he is a good finisher. You know, he can't oh, get yeah, away yeah, from that. So yeah, so it can only help him. Do you think with Mourinho in charge now, the likes of Ericsson and um, what's his face, Danny Rose, get back into the side now, or do you think he's just going to cut them off? Uh, I think they'll have to prove their worth, um, and you know what Mourinho's like. If if if, if whatever reason Ericsson's putting in half a, half a shift in training, Ollie Skip will start ahead of him. Like that's the type of thing Mourinho does. Mm-hmm. Like someone who's totally totally out of the picture suddenly becomes important because they train hard and all they're proving a point. This kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't think we'll see that until the end of the December period of you know mega fixtures because you can't really afford to to cut people off at this time of year like you need your whole squad mm-hmm. um, but I think in January you'll have, you'll have a picture of who's going to you know muck in and who isn't mm-hmm. and I think I mean Ericsson's in the last six months by then so he's either going to have to sign leave for a nominal summer leave for nothing so yeah. right, uh, and on to West Ham then Pellegrini how long do you think he's got left? There's a lack of super replacements which I think is possibly the only thing keeping him in a job at the minute mm-hmm. So they're not going to get Pochettino. No. That, no, no disrespect to West Ham, but Pochettino isn't going to West Ham. Now, before Rafa signed for Real Madrid, mm-hmm. this go back a number of years, uh, he'd had talks with West Ham. Yeah. And had basically signed on the dotted line, but then Real Madrid came calling, who he supported as a boy, etc., etc. So off he went to manage Real Madrid. Yeah. Um, and he's done an interview since where he said he feels a, 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 an amount of guilt because. I can't remember who West Ham had to go and appoint instead. Probably Slavin Bilic, I'd guess, but I can't remember the exact time frame of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just think if they wait, the, wait out enough time until Rafa has had enough of being in China... Well, there's been reports that he was looking to come back, wasn't there? Because hasn't he been linked with Everton? Yeah, well? he did that. He did some podcast on uh, on BBC and uh, he said he wanted to be back in the Premier League one day, but not like tomorrow. So he obviously will be back and there's a number of middle to upper clubs who could you know really utilize them mm-hmm. um west ham obviously have had contact with them before i think 
I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up there one way or another. Yeah. But it's got to be the timing thing. So if he said he didn't want to leave China right this second, which you know he's only been there five months and he's probably not going to leave for another year or so. So whether they get someone else in in the in the, in the time being or not, or they just chance their arm, I don't know. But as you said, there Everton, West Ham, um, Everton, and um, who am I missing? Another club who are looking for managers at the minute. Oh, Arsenal, sorry. Oh, yeah, um, Arsenal will probably be looking for a manager shortly. Yeah, they're all possible destinations, I think, for Benitez, but it's just mm-hmm. all about timing now, really. I say, I say they've, they've, got, they've got a good squad there. Like they, they pulled it together towards the end, you know. Um, I say Ogbonna scored a late one. Uh, who scored the other one? Uh, Antonio, who came back after three months out, uh, got, got a goal as well. They, you know, so they, they've got the nucleus of a good squad there. And, and Pellegrini looked like he was making it work at one point. Yeah, it's just that it obviously coincides with Fabianski being injured as well, which, mm-hmm. you know... It's not a coincidence. If you keep throwing things in, you've got to score four goals to win a game and you're probably not going to win that many matches. Yeah. Um, Do you think that so, can keep him in a job? Like if the, because obviously, you know, I know David Gold goes to every game and whatever. You know, Do you think you, do you think Pellegrini could make a chance and say, look, this is my reserve goalkeeper. He's obviously come in and, and done this. With a better goalkeeper, we'd, we'd pick up more points. And the problem is he signed that reserve goalkeeper. Oh, yeah. Um, but... I imagine if you took the best goalkeeper out of every team in the league, there'd be a notable difference, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, but yesterday, the first half in particular, there, no one was playing. Mm-hmm. Haller yeah. looks horrific, and he's, you know, I, I was quite enjoying his play early on in the season. He's, you know, big, strong forward, holds it up, brings others into play. Mm-hmm. Um, he just didn't look interested. Yeah. Couldn't keep hold of the ball. Um, I think they've lost Lanzini to a. Uh, a shoulder injury, I think. He, yeah, he looks like he'll... for a few weeks. So he'll be a bit of a miss. Um, Yarmolenko is another one. Looked good for a bit. Now it looks like he can't be asked again. Uh, and they've got a lot of players like that who are kind of like flary number 10 type players who, when the going gets tough, they go missing. Mm-hmm. And you're left with, you know, Mark Noble and Robert Snodgrass charging around. Yeah, so Mark Noble apparently wasn't even fit to go into this game and he, he, he looked like one of West Ham's best players at times. Yeah, well, you know what you're going to get with him. Like he's, I, I don't necessarily rate him that highly, but he's, you're going to get effort out of him most weeks. Um, but he's not enough. Then he needs better players around him. Uh, on to the three o'clocks then. Uh, league leaders Liverpool, who, if you listen to certain areas of the internet, are playing the greatest football in the world ever. Uh, took on Crystal Palace away. Uh, Palace known for being Liverpool's bogey team. I suppose. Uh, interestingly enough, this was Crystal Palace's tenth consecutive Premier League game to be played in London, uh, due to the way the fixtures have fell. Uh, probably explains their decent-ish start to the season, I suppose. Uh, Mo Salah missed out. He was on the bench after suffering an ankle injury a few weeks ago. Uh, wasn't fit enough to play for um, his, his country, uh, but was back on the bench. You know, James Madison maybe should take note there. Um, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain replaced him Um, James Thompson's had a goal ruled out in this one by VAR for a a push on Dijan Lovren do you see it do you make of it yeah it's a push Um, unfortunately we've kind of made a rod for our our own backs now with this with the technology we're using Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean it is a push if he isn't pushed he'd probably get something on the ball to divert us yeah but it's Lovren he'd probably win his own net well yes there is that but um I mean, being petty about it, we played Palace away a couple of seasons ago and gave away a penalty 
for Clark pushing Benteke in the back and the ball was four foot over his head. And apparently that was a stonewall penalty, so that's a penalty, that's a foul. So mm-hmm. it's an eye for an eye in this game, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Sadio Mane continued his scoring run against Crystal Palace. I think this was the fifth game in a row against them he scored. Uh, interestingly, this was Zaha's first goal of the season when he scored the equaliser. I was surprised yeah, was. by that. I was. Um, you would never get tired of punching Wilfred Zaha, would you? No, not like, really. He's just a very twisty man. Like <laughs> He's always got something to complain about. Um, but you know what Palace are going to give you? Hodgson has a certain way of setting up. They're very difficult to break down. I don't think anyone really looks forward to playing them, certainly away from home. Um, and they're probably a little bit unlucky here not to come away with at least a point, but when he looks in, he looks in, and Liverpool it's looking more and more like it's going to be their season by the yeah, week, doesn't Yeah, it? I was going to say, all, all you see everywhere, I don't, I don't want to get into this conversation because I get a bit of grief for it, uh, but yeah, Liverpool are, are having so so much luck at the moment. You know, Zaha missing in, the, what, the 93rd minute? Yes. Like that, that's yeah. a, that's, a, that's a, a shot that he puts away nine times out of ten, you know, or even if he'd squared it, you mm, know, he's yeah. made completely the wrong decision and ballooned it over the bar. Um you know, again, it's a scrappy winner from Liverpool as well. So they, I think they uh, scored in the last ten minutes uh, yet again. I say Firmino uh, scrum round. He's first goal in ten games. Um, you know, but he's not that sort of number nine, is he? I know. I know some fans from other clubs give um, give him a, a, a lot of grief because he's seen as the striker out of their front three. Um, but you know he's not like a twenty goal a season sort of player. But then if you look at the players around him, who he brings into play, they are both twenty goal a season players. Yeah, exactly. So and uh, I think he'd almost rather be judged on assists than goals sometimes with uh, some of the, the goals he lays, lends on for his teammates. Like it's uh, very, very unselfish a lot of the time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one thing I do want to say in this game, though, I was quite impressed by Christian Benteke uh, looking a lot slimmer. He's got to try something. I mean, he hasn't scored for a long time. What is it, 18 months? Uh, whenever, whenever he scored that goal against Arsenal. <laughs> so it doesn't seem like that long ago, to be fair. But he is... Uh, you see that scissor kick he tried? Yeah, it was a pretty decent effort. Uh, he, he was heavily involved in the Zahar's goal as well. It was him who ran in from the left. Yes. And uh, played yeah. it across and stuff like that. Yeah. Could he be Palace's Firmino? <clears throat> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it was really funny in this side because I, I mentioned at the start of this that, uh, you know, certain aspects of the media are making out that Liverpool and Man City, uh, basically. Uh, but and, and I say match that they were guilty of this, like the commentator, who was going on, oh, you don't get that many chances against this Liverpool team. I was like, you obviously haven't been watching them that often <laughs> this season. And But then, like, obviously, Gary Lincoln and that lot in the studio were, were saying, OK, well, Liverpool not playing well and winning again. Which you know, I'm, I'm, I've said it multiple times on this show. It, they, it, it is look like you've said it looks like it could be their year. They are, they are winning the games when playing badly, which is the old cliche. Is that's what you do to become champions? And Man City, okay, Man City won this weekend, which we'll come on to in a bit. But again, they don't look like the same sort of player, the same sort of team. You know, it may be Leicester are their only serious contenders. It could be. I mean, we're gonna. I think if they can get through this next, was it six or seven games in mm-hmm. de- in, the, in December with the, obviously their trip to uh, to is it Tokyo factor in as well. Um, yeah. If they can get through that, then I'm, it's very hard to see them being caught. Um, the they're they're eight points clear at the moment, aren't they? And I know I know Man City uh, were chasing Liverpool at this time last season as well. 
but Man City have looked rocky this season to the point where if they hadn't won yesterday, they'd, be, they'd have been fourth still. I know, and uh, the injuries at Man City don't seem to be stopping either, which we'll mm-hmm. come on to. But uh, Liverpool managed to get away without playing Mo Salah at all, yeah, and still won. Mm-hmm. On you know, all right, you can call it lucky all you want, but uh, they've still, you know, that's an absolute result for them to yeah. win. And yeah, against, against a team that they traditionally don't do well against. Yeah, and to, and to get away with obviously Salah's got a knock at the minute to rest him for we're well, going on three weeks now, obviously since he last played. Mm-hmm. That's a really good day for them. Uh, we're talking about Leicester then, their closest challenges at the moment. They continued their their form by going to Brighton and coming away with a 2-0 win. Uh, interesting, uh, Ayosi Perez, four goals in four games. Although I don't think that really counts as one of them was a hat-trick three games ago. <laughs> but I saw the stat going, oh, he's got four in four for the you know the first time in a while. I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure that's not the case because he got back-to-back doubles not that long ago as well. That's true. Um, I mean, you've got to like the way Leicester are playing at the minute. Mm-hmm. Vardy, look, Vardy looks totally on top of his game. But in this, Brighton look like the better team. Uh, at, at times, but how many chances does Leicester have? I say Vardy had quite a few chances. Exactly. They had a lot of breakaways where you know, a hash of it, to be honest, which is not like Leicester. They're usually pretty lethal on the on the break, especially. But oddly, Vardy was passing up the chances to other people on, on some yeah, of the occasions. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, uh, James Madison miraculously recovered from his uh, international break injury for the second time this season. But uh, so going into this game, Brighton had won three three home games in a row, which obviously shows how far they've come because uh, that's been their bone of contention in the last two seasons, uh, really. Um, but yeah, did you see Neil Marpes dive in this game? Uh, yeah, I did. Yes, um, I, don't, I don't know what he was doing. The ball over to him was brilliant. He was better placed to shoot. I, I don't know why anyone doesn't even, even take the risk now because if they do dive, it's only going to get picked up by VAR anyway. Mm-hmm. You may as well just get a shot away, and who knows what will happen? I mean, obviously VAR will find a way to roll the goal as well, but still. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I was really shocked. You know, great ball into him. I reckon if he'd hit that towards goal, it had a chance of going in. Uh, but yeah, he, he just chose to throw himself to the end. But then VAR had a look at it and concluded that it wasn't a penalty, yet he wasn't booked, which <laughs> seems to happen more and more now. Players diving and not getting booked when the FA said they were clamping down on it. Uh, Damari Gray came on and won a penalty practically with his first touch, uh, being shoved over. Um, it's going to be one of them. I mean, these are the sort of penalties pre-VAR don't get given sometimes because it's like an arm on the shoulder. Although he went down like he'd been kicked. Well, the ref gave it straight away, and VAR didn't have a reason to overturn it, which, well, I mean, yeah, again... There's contact, isn't it? He pushed yeah, it exactly. on the shoulder. Yeah. But the way Gray went down, to me, looked like he'd gone down from being kicked. So I'm looking at his feet initially and thinking, well, there's no contact there whatsoever. It was only when I you know, come back out and yeah, see the yeah. arm on him. And I think, oh, oh yeah, that's what it's been given. Uh, but VAR didn't stop getting involved there. Uh, Vardy missed the penalty. Well, he was saved uh, only for James Madison, you know, on his miracle tonic uh, to come in and slam, slam the rebound home. Uh, and then after celebrating, only to be found out that the goal had been disallowed. But uh, but I think he, he said in the interview he expected a free kick to be given to Brighton. And Vardy was given the penalty again because both, players, both teams' players had encroached. Yes. I mean, again... Without VAR, this wouldn't have even been picked up, I don't think. But uh, the end result was still a goal, so it seemed... Yep, Vardy's 12th goal of the season. Yeah, he's in incredible form, isn't he? Like, he's... And I hope for his sake he doesn't come out of retirement to, to sit on the bench for England next summer because there's just no point. 
he just wants to focus on what he's doing now. Yeah, but with the VAR situation with the penalty, the encroachment thing happens all the time. I find it strange in this instance that they allowed the penalty to be retaken. Well, I don't get why they did, to be honest. They say it was a goal. Um, both sides had encroached. Yeah. So no one really lost out except Vardy, who missed out on a goal, but now got a goal because he yeah. obviously got to retake it. So it just seemed like rules for rules' sake, to be honest. But Yeah, it, 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 yeah really, really strange. Um, fourth consecutive clean sheet now for Leicester in the league you know they're, they're on such a great run and they have taken Sheffield United cha- uh, title have having the best defence in the league yeah well, that's the thing a lot of us talk about Leicester's attacking player but they are very very solid now at the back yeah. um, they could even play Wes Morgan this week I came on for, for Evans didn't he yeah. and if you can do that and get away with it then you know good times are here again <laughs> yeah yeah um, do you think Leicester can keep it up to the end of the season I don't see why not. Um, obviously, probably not winning the way they have been right now every week. But um, at the minute, they've got a ten-point cushion to Wolves, who are fifth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very hard to see them not getting a top-four place at the minute. They'd have to really fall off a cliff. I would argue they're playing some of the best football in the division at the moment. I think. Yeah, well, that's it. They're, they're certainly my favourite team to watch at the minute. Um, but. Who knows what's going to happen? I'm looking forward to them playing Liverpool on Boxing Day. That's for certain. Yeah, they've stayed relatively injury-free as well. You know, because I think Rogers has named practically the same side all season. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what happens if they. I hope they don't. Uh, but what what could happen if they get a few key injuries? You know, obviously, you know, Vardy's out goes out of that team, and Iniesta's coming in. It's a massive downgrade, to say yeah. the least, isn't it? That, 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 that's their one area, you know. I think I think in their midfield, you know, they've got a few a few useful uh, uh, backups, and so obviously in in, in defence, you know, even Wes Morgan's keeping clean sheets nowadays. But yeah, if anything happens to Jamie Vardy, like they must wrap him up in cotton wool. But the problem is, he never, he's one of those who never likes to be subbed. Like he'll play every minute of every game because mm-hmm. he'll he'll be sniffing out that golden boot. So yeah. Uh, on to other three o'clock then. Let's go to Everton, who wow, uh, gave Norwich their first away win of the season and their second and third away goals of the season. Uh, up into, going into this game, the only other goal Norwich had scored away from home this season was also on Merseyside on the opening day of the season. Uh, but they strolled to a 2-0 win against Everton uh, with Marco Silva... Basically, look, expecting to be sacked. There was a, a, a hoax going around on Twitter this evening that he'd gone, and at one point I thought he had because Sky Sports was showing had an, had an image with Marco. You know, you don't imagine gets fired. They have that image of him looking glum on oh, the yeah. sidelines in the background. <laughs> well, Sky Sports showed something with that on earlier on, but then didn't talk about anything. So I don't know if they were just about to prepare to go live with a story that he'd been sacked and realised it was a, it was a hoax or whatever. So I don't know. Um, didn't look like the greatest of games, to be fair. Uh, Todd Cantwell uh, scored he scored his first away goal season. Obviously, Norwich is only their second anyway. Uh, and Shabin, I believe it was. I don't know how you say his name, but yeah, S R B N Y. Yeah, I think there's him. an E in there somewhere. Yeah, but he scored his first touch in injury time. Um, it's not looking good for Everton, and I believe their next five fixtures all are all two sides in the traditional top six. 
Yeah, it's a it's a ming and run they've got to be honest. So next Sunday they're at home to sorry they're away to Leicester, um, and then they've got the Merseyside derby three days after that at Anfield. They're then at home to Chelsea, away to Man U, uh, home to Leicester in the cup, home to Arsenal in the league. And it's Burnley on Boxing Day. Well, so they'll get three points out of that. <laughs> well, yes. If he's still in charge when Arsenal come around. Do you think he will be? I, no, I don't think he'll make it to the end of next week. To be fair, the uh, Ken Wright and oh, I can't remember his, his name. Monzi, Monzi, whatever it is. Yeah, like, they, they were both in attendance to this game, and it, it didn't look good. Like that from you know. I didn't see that much of it, but everything didn't look that good. You know, Chink Tosin is still playing up front. You know, Kian can't get into the team. I understand there's been some discipline problems. Apparently he was late to a training session. So suddenly that means he can't play and he's probably arguing one of their better players. Iwobi can't, doesn't get in the starting lineup all of a sudden. He's literally changing his team constantly. Yeah. Which I don't that's think always... he's helping him. It's always a worrying thing when you don't really know what your best team is. Yeah, they were, doing, they were doing all right at one stage. Though. They looked pretty solid. They looked like they had something going on, and then it's just they've just fallen off a cliff. It seems. Well, I mean, Theo Walcott's back on the team. That can't help. Yeah, basically, you know, and he's looking like one of the most lively players. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think he'll be gone sooner rather than later. Um, with them having a bit of a difficult run coming up, um, they've got nothing to lose. Really, they could put Underworth in charge again for a handful of games until yeah. they get the right successor. But you can look at it two ways. I mean, they're three points from ninth, uh, and also four points from eighteenth. So, yeah. such is the way of the league. A couple of wins here and there will, will, will sort you right out. But with the fixtures they've got, I think they're more likely to be in that bottom three than the top half. Yeah, that's the thing. They're they're not in a terrible position. They are in and around some other clubs of a, a similar or even bigger stature and stuff like that. But they've spent a lot of money, and I think that's gonna, that's going to you know have an effect. You know, when when the likes of you know Tottenham are, are below them in the league and are sacking their manager, you know, you you I, I imagine Everton see themselves on par with the likes of Tottenham, and you know, and maybe even Arsenal at the moment. You know, okay, Tottenham have had a couple of seasons in the top four, but traditionally you, you would go Tottenham and Everton are like that kind even kill fit fourth, yes. sixth place type of club, if you know what I mean. Uh, you know, and, and when Everton have spent what four hundred million in, in the last two manager cycles or whatever, to see Tottenham sacking the manager, they've got to be thinking, well, why aren't we? And that's the thing. But again, a bit like West Ham, who do you appoint? There's been a lot of talk of so. Moyes. Yeah, Moyes. Well, Apparently Moyes going back in. You know, Moyes going back the in. Fans over. Mark Hughes going in. All on, uh, presumably on a temporary basis. Mm-hmm. Um, is it worth doing that? Would you not just stick with what you've got and back your manager for another six to seven months, get the end of the season and then reassess? Like, if, I refuse to believe putting Moyes in there for six or seven months is going to be any better. But it's the fans, isn't it? You know, and Everton are seen as the people's club and stuff like that. And they are one of a few clubs that have been known to go with the fans. And it's clear that Silver has lost the fans. You know, he could he could go, you know, on a massive run of form there. He could beat Liverpool 5 0 at Anfield and whatever. And I still don't think the fans had warmed to him. No, I guess not. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, that, that's 
that's how it is at a, a club like Everton. Once you've lost the fans, you're not going to get them back on side. And I don't think he's ever had them. I think he's, to be fair, he's done well to get this far uh, with the money with the money they've spent as well. Yeah, and the thing is, I think after the one in Southampton before the international break, people thought that was the corner turned and a home game with Norwich. Mm-hmm. It's been the bank effort just about everybody this season. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of coupons will have been bust by this fixture this weekend anyway. Um, but if you can't beat, you know, pretty much everyone was writing the obituaries for Norwich, they were down. Yeah. They'd lost to Watford. Um, they couldn't score, they couldn't keep clean sheets, they were pretty much gone. And they've gone to Goodison Park and won pretty much at a canter. Yeah, and that's like, the thing. The, the thing that's kept Everton going in the past has been their home form. And I don't think their home form's been great recently anyway. Uh, but yeah, to have a team that's not won away come and t- turn you over so comfortably it's not good is it yeah and I mean look at that first goal where it's just one simple pass and he's through mm-hmm. yeah it shouldn't happen it's madness uh, let's come on to other clubs in crisis then Arsenal hosted 19th place Southampton uh, in, you know you talk about the Everton result being a bit of a banker everyone was expecting this to be a bit of a banker uh, Southampton have I think I think it's I think I heard somewhere it's the worst away record against another club is Southampton's record against Arsenal they just mm. they just don't win uh, well they didn't win this time although they can consider themselves very unlucky but uh, Nicholas Pepe again started on the bench as uh, Emery uh, continued with his new system uh, to include Meza Ertzel. Uh And Danny Ings promptly walked through, every, walked through the entire defence within the first, what, 10 minutes or so after a quick free kick and slotted home. Uh, and it was all all Southampton from them, really. Uh, Lacazette got Arsenal back into the game. Uh, and at half-time, Arsenal switched to a 4-4-2 uh, with Pepe coming on for Callum Chambers. Um but yeah, the game finished two-two after uh, uh, James Ward-Prowse won a penalty for so uh, well didn't win a penalty, but he took a penalty for Southampton, missed it, scored the rebound, uh, and Lacazette scored like a ninety-fourth minute uh, equaliser. But I don't think that tells the story. Of this game, Southampton were much the better team, much the better team, and this is a team that got battered nine-nil not that long ago. Yeah, I mean, that was the big surprise. When looking at the statistics of the match, it wasn't like this was a smash and grab for Southampton. They should really have won. Mm-hmm. They had about three chances in injury time alone to make it 3-1. Yeah. Was it Gineppo? Uh, yeah, had a few. Uh, Willett cleared one off the line. Yeah, and obviously Arsenal basically stole a point here, which, you know. Yeah, Lacazette didn't even celebrate when he scored. I'm not surprised. I mean, and the, the, even the crowd were. I, f- I think a lot of the crowd were booing because they thought if we'd have lost, Emery'd have gone. Well, that's it. I mean, it, the club is utterly bewildered at the minute, isn't it? Like, what, 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 what happens next? Like, uh, will you sack Emery? Uh, obviously, Wenger didn't get sacked for a long time. Yeah, I, obviously, I, I, I'm I not saying for one minute Emery's going to be there anywhere near as long as that, but. Would the sack him mid-season? I don't. I genuinely don't know. The the talk was that he would have until New Year's Day, um, because I think I think the belief was our next, including the Southampton game, our next five games were seen as winnable. Um, you know, I think we've got like West Ham, Norwich. You know, we've got all the teams that are down at the bottom, not winning games, um, and then like a couple of Europa League games in there and whatnot. And then I think over Christmas, I think we've got to play. I think I know New Year's Day. I believe we play Man United, and I think there was another another couple of trips to like Chelsea or something in there somewhere. Uh, 
So it, it was believed that that f- couple of games over between like late December, early January would be, they'd judge him on that. But I can't see it getting that far. Like if Southampton almost turned us over, you know, no, 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 you know, Norwich have, have just gone and won at Everton, so their tails are going to be up. Uh, West Ham aren't any mugs, you know. They're in a, they're in a sticky spot or whatever. But when we're only having four shots on target, even Roberto's going to keep a couple of them out. You know, I, I, they've um, <laughs> they've shown there's a lot been going around in the last day or so about our shot deficit. We are in a negative shot deficit against clubs. I think we've conceded 71 shots in our last four games. Well, this is it as well. Like anyone who's playing Arsenal next. You wouldn't be worried, would you? Yeah, and that's the thing. And this isn't because we've got someone like Roberto in goal where players are shooting from anywhere because the goalkeeper's a bit rattled. Len- Leno's actually having a decent season. He's the first goalkeeper in the Premier League to have made 50 saves this weekend, which shows you just how bad our defence has been. Yeah. Um, what have you made of uh, David Luiz? The thing is, apart from the when he gave away that silly penalty the other week, I don't think he's really individually put much wrong. Socrates has been terrible. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. It's 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 like there must be a rule in the Arsenal defence where one of them has to play like they've got no feet every <laughs> game. And obviously Mustafi's not playing at the moment. And to be fair, credit to Mustafi in every game he's played he's looked pretty solid. Um yeah, I don't know. Socrates did all he did in this game was fall over and complain. He just got he just got absolutely bullied by the uh, the young lad who they've got. Southampton, they, they they just absolutely bullied him, you know. And I've seen I've seen Arsenal fans like laying into Kieran Tierney uh, and stuff like that. You know, he gave away a silly penalty, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but you see, it's the sort of thing you see not given uh, and stuff like that. But yeah, I I just I think in it's it it's not just the defense; it's the whole team. They don't know what they generally do. Not look like they know what they're doing. I don't think it would matter who you put in that back four. I don't think results would change at the moment. There's just no direction at all. No, there's not. And uh, Ozil's back in, which, as you said earlier, they've amended the the formation to to fit him, which seems to be as Pepe's, uh, Pepe's cost. Mm-hmm. But How... on, on paper, you look at that team, Ertzel in, between, in, in behind Lacazette and uh, Aubameyang, it, you know, and then you know, at one point we're playing uh, Bellerin and Tierney as wing-backs coming to give the width. And you look at that and think, that's a decent team. And you, you'd kind of understand Pepe being out the, out the yeah. team and coming in, coming in as a um, an impact substitute. I under, You understand on paper the look of it, but it's the instructions. I, what in, I don't understand what instructions the players are being given. Aubameyang looks like he's, he's been made captain and suddenly looks like he's not interested. Mm. Strange, isn't it? Yeah. We, I remember we, we, me and you were saying last season, it seemed obvious to us that he needed to move to a 5-3-2 almost in order to get Aubameyang, Lacazette, and then Ozil in behind them. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, wasn't really working having Aubameyang playing from the, from the left, which I know he has done a lot of his career, but he's also your, your out-and-out goal scorer and you want mm-hmm. him in the middle, really. Um, but then why would you go and spend £70 million on Pepe to play a system that doesn't really suit them. That's the thing, but I don't see where Pepe fits into our system though. Until unless we go out and buy another winger, mm, we yeah. ha- we would have to either get rid of Ertzel or go out and buy another winger to accommodate playing Pepe in that system because he can't play wing back at all. No, no. You know, so is he just going to come on for the last twenty minutes of games? And to be fair, he came on in this game and didn't do that much. His decision making looked like he got Theo Walcott's head on. 
<laughs> so yeah, I, I I don't know. Um, I I genuinely think the one thing that does need to change is the manager, which is really on Arsenal and stuff like that. But I think it's I don't think there's any way back for him. It, very similar to Marco Silva at Everton. The fans have been against him since day one anyway, again, and it's got even worse this season. But I don't think the board are willing to write the season off. But who would you who would you appoint? Um so there's a lot of talk about Arteta, but apparently he's, you know, sitting on the same bench as uh, Pep Guardiola makes you a decent manager. Um I think is it Allegri still free? Was the what did I hear? Or did he's probably gone to somewhere in Qatar or somewhere like that? Um I generally don't know. Two shells probably on his way out at PSG, apparently. Yeah, I, I generally do not know. But, you know, give Freddie Long... You know, if the... Personally, I think we need... So, the season to be written off. Just to be like, look, just write it off. We've got a decent amount of young players in there. Let Freddie Longberg have a go. <laughs> he can't be any worse than Arteta. You know, what? what... what, what more experience does Arteta have over Lundberg? You know, if anything, I'd say Lundberg's got a little bit more because he had our under-23 squad last season when they did all right in that, whatever that FA trophy or wherever they play, the under-23s against oh, yes. against yeah. league clubs. You know, they had a decent run in that last season and Freddie Lundberg was in charge for that. I guess there's probably an argument from the, from the Arsenal board that your best chance of getting back into the Champions League is to win the Europa League. Mm-hmm. And Emery has a, a good record in the Europa League. Yeah. But he doesn't but, seem to be doing... You know, do you, do you, where where do you... It's all right saying, OK, yeah, we're in the Champions League next season, but when we finish 12th in the Premier League, is that going to be good enough? You know, And are people going to be turning up to watch us in the Champions League if we go on and finish about 12th in the Premier League? You know... That, that might... ground emptied towards the end of the season when Wenger was doing badly. How True. empty will it be? Well, it's not cheap either, is it, to go and watch Arsenal? It's not, more, it's not as expensive as people think. You know, We are not the most expensive team in the Premier League. It's just that there was that was the narrative that was put around. Our most expensive ticket is the most expensive in the Premier oh, League. Okay. But that, that's, it's one of these headlines that people don't go and look at facts. You can go and watch Arsenal for £32, which you can't do that at some championship clubs. Well, it all came about, didn't it? Because you played Bayern Munich, who you know basically give their games away. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, in Germany, it's like tw- it's, it's the same in Spain. It's like twenty euro for a ticket. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it, it yeah it, it, it's just one of these things when it be- when it became fashionable to have, have a go on us. So I'm pretty sure the receipts at Spurs new, new stadium that are way more expensive than ours, and obviously there's you know Chelsea tickets. Okay, on the face of it, Chelsea tickets are pretty cheap, apparently for London. But ask a Chelsea fan if they can get hold of them easily, because they, again, <laughs> we've, I think me and Ali discussed it. They sell a lot to tourists and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I, I, I genuinely do not know what's going to happen. The talk I'm hearing is that uh, a lot of people within the club want Emery to go because they feel the situation's getting out of control, and senior players have expressed. Um, Concerns, but uh, it, Raul, I can't pronounce his surname. Uh, he he is sticking with Emery because he, he's seen as being his guy. You know, he bought into the club. He's he's you know invested money in the squad uh, to help him out and whatever. So it it, it 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 sounds like it's just one man who needs who needs to change his mind, whereas everyone else is is ready to ditch him. So we'll, we'll see. I, I think if we lose one more game at these next three. I think he's he's got to be done. 
but you never know. It's it, it's Arsenal, and it's it's disappointing. But maybe it's you know Spurs have sat their man- sat their most successful manager. You know, and yes, they're fourteenth in the league and whatever, but they were Champions League finalists last season, and they're still in the Champions League this season. I think that something that kind of sums it up is that we're thirteen games in, and although you're eighth, you've got a negative goal difference. Yeah. And in years gone by, you would always batter certain teams at home, mm-hmm. regardless. Or, or, or at of, least, you know, or at least, or at least look good against them. Well, exactly. Yeah. Whereas this time, every match seems to be a massive struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it. I genuinely feel sorry for Southampton, and I know I know someone in the group chat says we're not allowed <laughs> to say that on this podcast. I say so if Southampton didn't go away feeling like they'd been robbed, then that shows how far they've fallen. Because yeah, Southampton should have won that game, and they should have won it comfortably. So that sh- that shows how bad we were that a team has had very very little impact on this season so far and has been drummed 9-0 in one of the most one-sided game of football seen for years came to the Emirates showed absolutely no fear whatsoever and should have probably scored four or five goals I think that's a fair summary of uh, how bad it is though can't wait for Norwich to overturn us soon. And it's a shame, really. I like Emery, and you know some of the decisions that have been made. You know, bringing some of the youth players in, bringing in these young attacking players and whatever. They've been good, but on it's on the pitch. Whatever's happening on the pitch on the training ground isn't working at all. And you know, unfortunately, I don't think you're ever going to hear what goes on because you know Arsenal's that sort of club where these sort of things tend to stay inside and whatever until Tony Evans writes another book. <laughs> um, right, a couple more three o'clocks to go through. Uh, this one was down, bound to be a belter. Uh, Watford, who had had no home wins this season, versus Burnley, who had had no away wins. Um, I was expecting nil-nil for this one. I didn't know the score when I was watching match of the day. Uh, and when I saw that it hadn't been on with not long to go, I was like, oh, are Burnley going to be last on match of the day again? Uh, but Burnley come away with a 3-0 win here. And without being... Horrible. Okay, Watford didn't do much, but 3 0 seemed to flatter Burnley a little bit as well. It seemed to be quite an uninteresting game, but then there was a sudden flurry of activity. Yeah, I think it was drifting towards a 0 0, wasn't it? But mm-hmm. uh, Burnley do what Burnley always do, and that's find goals from set pieces. Yeah, successive 3 0 wins as well. God, is it really? Yeah, well, they, there you they, go. They, they, they beat West Ham 3 0. Uh, oh, yes, yeah, so when Roberto was flapping, yeah, flapping yeah, about yeah, um, I mean, I like you thought this was going to be a nil-nil, one-nil kind of game, um, and to be fair, it was for eighty minutes. But uh, Burnley are basically what Watford want to be, um, <laughs> which is why they brought Sanchez Flores back. Um, Watford have been better defensively under him, I would say. Um, yeah, generally, slightly. had a couple of nil-nils, that kind of thing, trying to rebuild some confidence, but. <laughs> wasn't happening for them here they um, haven't won at Norwich last time out I again thought you know maybe they've maybe they've turned a corner because they've got players who shouldn't be bottom of the Premier League but mm-hmm. they also have Adrian Mariapa so you know swings and roundabouts you can tell about it to be that the big deal in this game was that Troy Deeney was back in the, in the team he was on the bench and he, he came on um with with the side like Watford, where they've you know they've got you like your Pereiras, who I know was missing this weekend, your, your Delafayus and stuff like that. When you 
Troy Deeney is still your big player <laughs> and not in the pork pie eating sense. Um, something's not quite right there, is it? Yeah, I mean, they're certainly lacking. They have been lacking a striker. Obviously, Deeney's been out for a number of months now, but mm-hmm. um, Delafeu, Pereira both had a go doing it. Uh, Saar, who they paid big money for, has had a go. Yeah. Um, Andre Gray hasn't really hit the heights that he has done in the past. Um, and they're just a very very average team, really, aren't they? When you, when you break it down to what they've got, uh, I mentioned Mariapa. How he's still a Premier League player, I, I don't really know. Um, the rest of the team, Ben Foster, all right, good goalkeeper. But... He's, had, he's had a good season, to be fair. Yeah, well, you know what you're going to get with Ben Foster. He's, mm-hmm. he's, generally, he's generally a solid goalkeeper, doesn't make many mistakes. Feminier at fullback, he's a nothing player. Mm-hmm. Craig Cathcart. Yeah, had like, a good season at Blackpool once. Exactly, but I mean, that was nearly 10 years ago. Very surprised to see him still being a Premier League player. Craig Dawson, we've, we've laughed out before. Um, apparently he was dizzy before this match and then got multiple knocks to the head and then eventually was subbed, mm-hmm. injured. So hopefully he's all right. But uh, Holobas, a walking disaster, gave away the penalty. Uh, Decore looks like he wants to be anywhere else in the world. I was going to say, yeah, Decore was like the most wanted midfielder in the world at one point. Yeah, and now I think he's sulking. I don't know if he's sulking a bit, but he, he, he hasn't, come, hasn't, he hasn't been as good. He can come play number 10 at the end, right? <laughs> well, maybe they'll do a straight swap for Granite Jacker. <laughs> maybe. He's going mm. to you boys, though, isn't he? So, mm. Someone seems to think he is. Yeah, that'd be likes playing for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, yeah, Watford, it's not looking good at all. So Burnley, yeah, two, three late goals uh, from Woods. Uh, Barnes scoring a penalty. That Ben Foster thought he'd save that penalty, didn't he? Yeah, I thought he had to save the penalty, to be <laughs> fair. Like, <laughs> uh, and then uh, James Tarkovsky. Uh, Tarkovsky, uh, to add insult to injury uh, at the end. Um, Burnley, so Burnley have had a weird run of form uh, recently. Um, mid-table for them, do you reckon? Yeah, well, as I said earlier, the table's so tight. It's a couple of wins and you're suddenly, you know, seventh like Burnley are. They've got Crystal Palace at home next, which they should win, really. Oh, um, Palace aren't used to travelling outside of London, so yeah. Well, yeah, that's it. They'll have the passports out. Um, I wouldn't say the sky's the limit for Burnley, obviously, because I mean, they've got limitations, but they're playing to the, the best of their ability at the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and for them being seventh come Christmas, I think that'll be a really good result for them. Uh, can Watford stay up? Uh, oh, they can. I mean, they're one win away. Well, one mighty win away. Four points away from being out of the relegation zone, really. Um, we've will, seen. Will they stay up? Um, I think it depends who they buy in January. Because okay. they can't Cause sack it... their manager again, because they've already done that. No, that's it. they've gone early with that one. Um, I mean, it doesn't look good when you lose three 0 home to Burnley. I know Burnley. I've just said they're decent, but they're not. They're not the type of team that goes somewhere and wins three 0 And they hadn't won away. Exactly. Um, so I, to, I would be alarming um, if Deeney's up and running again, which might take him a couple of games, and if they can start going more direct to him, their results might improve. But at the minute, they're missing that focal point. 
that's the thing. But do, do do does a team like Watford want to go more direct? I can't imagine the likes of Delafeu and Pereira and that lot want to be playing a team that's going to see balls humped up to Troy Deeney. You know, and in the past we've had like the likes of Delafeu and, and and Pereira not in the team, and it's probably because they don't want to play that type of football. But they've made a conscious effort to bring in those those ball playing players. You know, Decore mm-hmm. is a ball playing midfielder. Do you, you know, are they going to be happy if suddenly it does become let's lump it up forward? You know, or you know, Dini comes back in, gets some form in the next few weeks, and then suddenly they start doing that, and then come January, all their best players want to leave. What happens then? Well, I've to make a decision about whether they want players who aren't, you know, in it for the fight, and and players who who will want to roll their sleeves up and get involved. Um, Sanchez Flores, when he left Watford the first time round, I see remember an awful lot of Watford fans saying, you know, he's done really well to get us to where we are, but we're now better than his his style of football because he is quite dull. He is a you know a four four two kind of man who will play direct and get results that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they've gone back to that, so they're kind of both ways. Yeah, it's gonna, it's going to be interesting. Um, was it the Burnley game where the penalty was given? When a corner was about to be taken down the ramp. Yes, it, it was. was yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah, I knew there was one this weekend, and I, I couldn't remember uh, from my notes. But yeah, uh, Burnley thought they'd won a penalty. Uh, Watford went round the other end and won a corner. And yeah, it was because I remember Ashley Barnes screaming in the referee's face uh, to check it. But obviously, that's not, <laughs> not his decision. Uh, with, no. But yeah, the penalty was given. Uh, but yeah, Foster definitely thought he'd save that, and then for it to hit the post and end up in the other side of the net uh, was unfortunate. Um, only one more three o'clocker then. Uh, this is an interesting one. So it was last on match of the day, um, and Wolves who were in it. So it was Bournemouth against Wolves at the Vitality. Uh, Wolves who've been in a pretty decent run recently. I think on match of the day they said they hadn't lost in ten weeks or well. um, whatever. And Bournemouth who had you know, been a bit iffy recently. Um, but Bournemouth, for some reason, I seem to have a lot of Bournemouth fans on my on my Twitter timeline. I'm not quite sure what's happened there. Uh, maybe, I think I had everybody who was at the Vitality uh, tweeting <laughs> on Saturday. Bournemouth fans were treating this like it was a big deal that they'd lost the Wolves uh, and stuff like that. Uh, and I don't see how it is because Bournemouth have been going a bit strange recently anyway. And Traore, Jesus Christ, he terrorised Bournemouth in this game. He was at the heart of everything. He was. Um, he's, he's added an end product to his game, which makes mm-hmm. him very, very good indeed. Because he's, we all know what he's about. He's very, very fast and physical, and that's you know that's a winner in this league to begin yep. with. So if you, if you can add a an end product to the game, then uh, you've got a hell of a player on your hands. Okay, him running down the right and squaring to Jimenez as literally. A uh, it's a foolproof tactic. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know it works. Uh, uh, Matinho celebrated his new contract at the club uh, by scoring a belt in free kick. Not sure if he meant it or not. I think he did, but because he hit it quite high, didn't he? Yeah, exa- yeah that's, exactly. That's what makes me think he did, maybe because I know there were big lads there, but no one that's all. His delivery is pretty good, anyway, isn't it? So mm-hmm. I, I'm fairly certain he meant it, but um, obviously going down to ten men because. Um, 
maybe you can tell me how Simon Francis ended back up in this Bournemouth team. Cause so, yeah, I'm, this is feel... basically what my Twitter was all, all day on Saturday. Uh, yeah, so Simon Francis, 11 months out, uh, injured, not just out of the team because he's not very good. Uh, I think some of the time he was out because he wasn't that very good. Uh, yeah, comes, <laughs> comes back for his first start uh, since a serious injury. Uh, I think he's been out since Boxing Day. <laughs> Celebrates by getting sent off within 30 minutes. For two yellow cards, and you could probably argue he probably could have gone sooner because he was clumsy throughout. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's 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 very noble of Bournemouth to stick with this guy all the way from what League Two through to now, mm-hmm. but uh, he's not Premier League quality. Steve Cook's barely Premier League quality, and he's he's I was the captain. Say, Steve Cook's still in the squad, but yeah. He, yeah, he's done all right to be fair. But I feel like Bournemouth have bought a lot of defenders in uh, in recent times. Who? Well, they get injured, don't they? So well, they, they must do. They brought like... Mings in, and Mings got injured continuously. Uh, Stacey is a left back, right back, right left back. He's a full back. I don't know what he does. Yeah, Rico, they... who apparently, again, seemingly all these Bournemouth fans I seem to follow on, on Twitter, uh, Rico apparently is the second coming of Roberto Carlos, uh, <laughs> but he's in and out of the team. Uh, he's probably not going to be able to see straight for a week after seeing uh, Troy run into him at the weekend. Um, oh, that would do it. That was quite funny. Did you see it? Yes, sir. Yeah, absolutely slammed him. <laughs> wow, you're not playing for a few weeks. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I, I don't know. I, I can't really name any any Bournemouth players apart from like you know you 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 got your guys up front. You know your Kings, your Wilsons, that free kick Wilson. They got striker <laughs> Wilson, free kick Wilson. You know if they can sign a defender, you know Wilson. Well, they've also got bad defender Cook and young midfielder Cook. So <laughs> yeah, Lewis, Cook, Lewis Cook's all right to be fair. I, I like him. I yeah, like but... Lewis Cook. Yeah, you know wasted at Bournemouth, but yeah. And and they've got the walking yellow card. Jefferson Lerma. Oh, and the other walking in my card, Billing. There you go. Oh, so, yes. There you go. So, yeah, rattling out the Bournemouth players. Man. They've got a great squad. <laughs> yeah, they should put Billing in, in defence. He's like nine foot tall, isn't he? He, he is, yeah. Ake, it, how have we completely forgotten Nathan Ake? Because he's actually talented. He's probably too good for Bournemouth, really. Talking Man City coming in for the, in, the, in January, uh, that would be awful if they lost him. It really would be, though, because then he'd have the. Francis Cook dream team at the centre half. So it was a good pair in a couple of seasons back then. They, well, they were both on the verge of the England team, apparently. But whether that's a good thing or not, I don't know. I would love to see that England team with Francis and Cook at centre back. Uh, there was a lot of talk that Eddie Howe would have been the next Spurs boss for about two hours uh, when Pochettino was sacked the other week. Um, obviously, it they, didn't happen. Do you think Eddie Howe will ever manage anybody other than That's Bournemouth what I was ever say. again? Do you, do, you, do you think they get approaches for him? Because he does seem to be quite a media darling. He does seem to... He seems to be doing well with what he's got at Bournemouth mm. and stuff like that. Do you think they get appro- approaches? And Do you think the board is standing in, their way, in his way? Or do you think he, he just doesn't want to go? You know, he, He's had the experience of going elsewhere. Um, when he went to Burnley and it didn't go well. I mean, someone like an Everton is, is, you know, that's the next level of club he should be going to. Mm-hmm. I think going to a Tottenham or an Arsenal is a step too far from. I think he needs to manage one of those sort of upper middle clubs. Um, and Everton or West Ham, who we've talked about as, as potential, potentially in the market for a new for a new manager. Either of those clubs will be a test room. Um, but I just can't see it. He just has his feet under the table there at Bournemouth, doesn't he? Like... That's, that's what I mean. I, I, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I think he could do well at Arsenal. He could come somewhere like that. But 
But then again, there's not much evidence to say that, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, he has done well at Bournemouth. And he has... He's done all right with some of the, the young players he, he's brought through. And stuff like that. But then again, he's also made some very bad signings. Well, he has you know spent I mean? a fortune, hasn't he? Like, yeah, it... he spent a lot of money. You know, you know, uh, Solanke, he spent a lot of money on. Mings, he spent a lot of money on. Okay, he made a profit on Mings. And Mings got injured and stuff like that. But yeah, uh, Jordan, didn't he spend a lot of money on Jordan Ayub at one point? Yes. You is know. Jordan Ayub still there? I feel like he is. Uh, I believe so. He does seem to have a type, doesn't he? Uh, young English can't get into the Liverpool team. That's a lot. That's a, it's a or, good market or, or, to go for. Or just young and can't get into the Liverpool team, it seems to be in recent seasons. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's going to be one of them. He's going he's gonna to make the step and it's going to go really, really well or really, really badly. But he's got to try at some point, surely. Like, well, he did. He went it, to Burnley, didn't he? But this obviously wasn't Burnley in the Premier League. This was Burnley in the Stan Turnit days. <laughs> and stuff yeah. like that. So... So yeah, I I don't know, but it doesn't make sense that no one has gone in to approach him. And you know, Burnley aren't a big team. Uh, sorry, Bournemouth aren't a big team, but in any sense of the word, apart from the fact they're they're in the Premier League, you can't imagine that if a big club has come calling, they've managed to turn around to Eddie Howe and say, "Sorry, you're staying here." You know, because I imagine he's tied down on a contract that lasts as long as he wants it to. So mm. if he was to leave, compensation. Would be coming their way. I said they're owned by a Rus- by Russians, aren't they? Bournemouth, yes. You know, so I, yeah. I, you know, I can't imagine that there's any loyalty there from them anyway. I think their owner never even goes to watch them play. I know at one point he refused, didn't he? Because they were, they lost every time he went to see them play. <laughs> so he went. So he goes. He goes only goes between October and January then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, so he refused to go and whatever. You know, but he, Eddie Howe is. Uh, it's clear he's gone as far as he can with Bournemouth. Like, I don't even think that the next step for them is to win something like the Caribou Cup. I don't even think they're capable of doing that. No, well, he tends to throw the cups, doesn't he? Yeah. he? He plays like, basically he doesn't play Callum Wilson and then they lose and it's like, oh, well, we can focus on the league now. Mm-hmm. And it'll be the same with the FA Cup in January. <laughs> it must be. Re- I've been to Bournemouth. I don't remember it being that nice, but there must be something there that keeps people there. Callum Wilson. Why is he still there? This is no disrespect to Bournemouth. You know, I know we we we, we have a laugh and a joke that you know the, the ten thousand seat shed. You know, and they're a little club in, in the Premier League and whatever. But there, there must be something that's keeping you know your Callum Wilsons, your Ake's, um, your Eddie Howes. These are all people that are coveted by other clubs, but yet they're still there. You don't see that very often. You see, oh, give me a season, or I'll finish out the season, then I'm off. Well, I guess if they've got the money, then uh, they don't necessarily need to accept any old bid. If they can uh, demand top dollar and the clubs don't want to pay it, then... Uh... Yeah, but player power. I'm sorry. if if you're We had this discussion like towards the end of last season. If you're Callum Wilson... There was talk when Chelsea were coming in for him and whatever, uh, or other clubs, you know, I'm sure like the likes of Spurs and whatever, Man United have probably looked at him at some point and gone in. At some point, you've got to be, excuse me, boss, I want to go. I- I'm done running around in a chicken shed uh, <laughs> every two weeks. You know, I, I want to go and, you know, and and, and have a run in, a, in, a, in a, a big club, you know, and play in Europe and stuff like that. You can't tell me that that's not something that would happen if this was happening well yeah. no you're quite right I mean you'd think at some point some of these players will want to play European football yeah 
Yeah. At, the, at the minute, Bournemouth are three points off fifth, but... You know. Do Bournemouth even go on pre-season outside of the South Coast? <laughs> and stuff like that. You know, they, they, they literally just strike me as the little family-run club who's, you know, their pre-season games are against Dover and, 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 and stuff like that. You know, and I, I know that's not really the case and whatever, but yeah, there's... This, this must be so. Is it a tax haven, Bournemouth? I know there's a lot of old people there and stuff like that. You know, are they secretly playing all their players 400 grand a week or something? But yeah, I, 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 I don't get it. You know, yeah, they've got they've got players who are constantly um, linked with with big moves. You know, they've got Ramsdale who's doing all right there at the moment, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Y- young goalkeeper. You know, imagine he. You know, in normal situations, he'd be linked with you. You know, your Man Cities, your Man United, your Liverpool's. Uh, you know, and and stuff like that. But you know, he's he's, he's probably going to be there for the next twenty years playing. You know, Eddie Howe doesn't age either. There's definitely something going on, on the South Coast. Well, maybe that's where I'm missing out. Yeah, maybe. maybe. And, I could, and I couldn't live further from the South Coast. So. <laughs> that's that's why it's um, that's why it's called the Vitality Stadium. Isn't it? There's, <laughs> there's some uh, there's some weird like uh, Lazarus pit there. Right. Stuff like that. Uh, right, on to Sunday's only game. I was surprised to see this was Sunday's only game. Uh, I thought there was something on my telly when I was flicking through the fixtures. Uh, Sh- but hang, on, hang on, Should we talk about Man City-Chelsea first? Oh, yes, see, Dave. I'm so glad you're back. Always <laughs> Man City. Always Man City. So, yeah, Man City-Chelsea was the late game. Uh, yes, fucking hell. That was almost really <laughs> embarrassing. Uh, not really much to speak about in this one, though, is there? Uh, Edison returned from Manchester City after a couple of weeks off. Uh, both teams started fairly well. Uh, uh, I don't know if you've heard recently, Dave, but I proclaim that I quite enjoy watching this Chelsea team. Me too. It's, it's horrible, horrible, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. Um, um, yeah, they started quite brightly and, and had the better of the play. One thing that really annoyed me here was uh, Kante's goal. Did you watch this on, on Sky? Yes. Well, I saw most and, of the game. Ah, uh, so Kante scored. And Martin Tyler was like, well, Chelsea are ahead and it's in fortuitous circumstances. Well, I they, had, it back, they had all the play. I watched it back four or five times. I'm like, that's a really good finish from Kante. Under pressure from the yeah. defender and the keeper. It was a quality hook- ball from Kovacic as well. It was. And he hooks it in. And Tyler's going for, well, I'm not even sure who that came off. It's an own goal. I'm like, no. fuck off. <laughs> that's a great finish. Fuck off, granddad. I mean, that's a great goal. Yeah, I say because I say uh, b- both teams started quite brightly. Uh, De Bruyne and Willian, I believe, flash shots wide within yes, the first few I- minutes. Identi- identically as well. Yeah, as well. Um, but yeah, because in my notes I'd written down like, why is Kante still playing for a forward? So remember when we all sat here mo- moaning about Sarri and how he was playing Kante as an advanced midfielder. Frank Lampard seems to be doing it, and no one cares. Um, and then he goes and scores, and oh yeah, it was a, it was a great finish. Tucks it under Edison. Don't get me wrong, I'm not quite sure what Edison was doing, but he's had a few weeks off, and he's probably you know he's a bit rusty. Well, um, that's it. yeah, I thought Chelsea were the better team throughout the whole game. Um, for maybe an hour, and then Man City kind of had a lot of the play for. Once they were ahead, it didn't really. Chelsea didn't really look like come back inward. This was the uh, most possession a Pep Guardiola team has ever conceded. Really? It ever? Uh, Barcelona, wow. Bayern, uh, Man City. No team has had more more possession against a Pep Guardiola team than Chelsea did in this game. And both Man City's goals were scored on the break. Yeah, fair point. Um, what did you make of uh, Sterling offside? You mean Sterling not being offside and VAR finding as many ways as possible it was to make him offside? Yes. So, 
they keep uh, sh- they keep showing this one image of it, right? Mm. Where the line is with Zuma's bum is probably the polite way of putting it. Yes, and it puts Sterling slightly offside, but that completely ignores Zuma's arm, which is like stretched uh, yeah. out and over the line. I thought it was any part of the player. Well, there's two things here that, that really pisses off. One is that apparently the liner flagged it offside, even though no one actually saw it. Yeah, I don't remember seeing that. No, but apparently, so the on-field decision was offside. Yeah, because Sky and, didn't show any replays of it either. But that's the other thing that really annoyed us. Like we've seen them replay offside decisions over and over and yeah. over again. Because wasn't it like the last kick of the game as well? So they had well, plenty it, of time to show it. Exactly, and then all of a sudden, like ah, no, it's, it's offside, and that's that. Let's carry on. Mm-hmm. But there was just no fuss about it. So yeah. I don't know whether they saw an angle that was far more conclusive than yeah. what we've seen since. But match of the day didn't show it either. So I'm actually uh, showed it in the highlights, and I know, and then Gowling came out a joke about it, didn't they? Like, oh, we're not going, we're not going to show it. It was utterly nonsense or whatever. I uh, said because it didn't affect the result, which if, I guess is one way of cutting down the amount of VAR nonsense we've got to talk about. Which, I mean, fundamentally, it didn't matter. Mm. But it was but, nonsense, absolute nonsense. Uh, yeah, they've got to be getting close to just sacking off this VAR shit. I mean, no one's got a good word to say about it. Wenger's coming in to fix it, apparently. Really? Have you not heard this? No, that's that. I've I've missed a lot of news over okay. the last few weeks. So but... Wenger has a new job at, at FIFA as head of like football growth or something like that, something along those lines. Right. And Mike Riley has come out in the last couple of days, and like you know, obviously there's been this talk. That, have you heard that four big decisions have been overturned incorrectly? They've admitted that now. Right. So they've come out and they said, yeah, VAR, it's, you know, it's getting there, it's learning, but f- we, you know, we admit that four big major decisions, I don't think they've said what they are, uh, ha- have been incorrectly overturned and whatever. Uh, but we're going to bring in, um, apparently uh, Arsene Wenger is f- uh, in Dublin soon for some kind of thing, uh, and Mike Riley's going to speak to him about imp- the implementation of VAR. Um even better, Mike, why don't you just start watching telly of other leagues that use VAR and mm. see what they fucking do? That's, I mean, the the irony of asking Wenger, a man who never saw anything <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> throughout 20 years of management. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. They had a meeting uh, over the international break where they discussed VAR. It was like the Premier League shareholders meeting and it was the longest, basically it's all the chairmen uh, getting together and like managers and stuff like that. Uh, apparently they get together and they discuss it. It was the longest one in the history uh, and VAR was apparently brought up quite a lot. Uh, but they came out and they said that VAR decisions and that they admitted they were taking too long. So these taking three, four, five, six minutes to make a decision wasn't acceptable uh, and that would stop. But this weekend it didn't. I think multiple games went into the 96th, 97th minute as a result of VAR decisions. Yeah, well, that's uh, just what... Yeah. I mean, it was always going to take a little bit of more time. I, I mm-hmm. guess there's, there's some you can't get away from, but some of these offsides... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pointless, isn't it? Absolutely. I, pointless. I, mean, I mean, obviously, I agree with the statement that you can't be slightly offside. You either are or you aren't. Mm-hmm. But they seem to be going out their way to try and prove people are offside, and it's yeah. just... But it's the, just stupid. The one thing I found interesting was that they were like... So, a couple of weeks ago, there was the big debate about why aren't referees using the uh, screens? Yes. And, whatever, and I still don't believe, as as of recording, any referees used a pitch side monitor uh, to the point where I think it was 
not the last Arsenal game, the one before maybe, where the monitor, I don't think it was even plugged in. It didn't look like it was anyway. Or One of the games, I remember talking to Ali about it, it was shown on telly that one of the, one of the games, the monitor was literally on the floor <laughs> and stuff like that, knowing that it wasn't going to be used. But they came out this meeting and they said, yeah, the one thing is we are still going to... Um, not They didn't use the word avoid, uh, but it was basically, basically on the lines of we're not going to use the monitors. Yeah, because they think it takes too long, but as you said, they've already taken five or six minutes to watch some of these replays anyway. So Yeah, but they said there was one in the Man United game today, and he was just like... It, 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 I think it ruins the game, personally. You know, players... You score a goal now, you go off and celebrate, and then suddenly you just... It, it, and then suddenly there's that, that pause where there's a void where nothing is happening. That's it. We're not better, we're not better off for having it over. No, I, person, we, we, we yeah. spend we spend more time now discussing decisions that would never have been picked up before. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like that's like that Sterling one. I know the line of flag from offside allegedly, but uh. but you, human error, human error, like human error like that. The, the speed the game is going at, you accept it. It's annoying, but you accept it. And, it's, and then I've heard people say, oh, yeah, but there's human error in VAR. But, okay, there's human error in VAR. But that linesman has had a split second to make that decision. It's excusable why he's made that decision. If you're sat there drawing fucking lines, you know, and slowing play and seeing it from every possible angle in the world, there is no excuse for you making the wrong decision. Mm. You know, and stuff like that. I, personally, I think, I think the... the yeah, they've either got to sack it off or streamline it somehow, you know. Or, you know, what happened to, they made recommendations to the referee, not made the decision. Because it seems to me they are making decisions. I, I thought it was there to aid the referee and be like, oh, have a look at this. You might want to consider this. You know, a lot in, in before VAR came in, a referee could give a goal, for example. His linesman could buzz him and be like, yo, he just punched him in the face, scoring that goal. And the referee could turn around and say, no, nah, it's all right, it's a goal. That doesn't seem to, the referee doesn't seem to have that ability now. Well, no, I guess not. And you, they probably won't until they, bring, until they allow them to see the monitors. Um, because, you know, it's already been referred and the whole yeah. point of being referred is that Why have a referee can... on the pitch then? Well, yeah, why, why, what's the why, point? Yeah, why not just have a whistle in the stadium that whenever <laughs> something happens, someone in Stockley Park presses a button and a whistle blows and then we wait five minutes while the screen tells you what's going on. And in two stadiums, you can't even find out what's going on because there is no, no screen, which I find absolutely fucking ridiculous that Old Trafford does not have a fucking screen. <laughs> Madness. But yeah. No. Uh, See, this is why I didn't want to talk about the Man City game. Wait. Um, but yeah, Let's Man- move on. <laughs> but yeah, Man- so Man City uh, went back above Chelsea into third place uh, by winning this game. They don't look like the Man City that the last couple of seasons, though, do they? The thing is, we-, we play them next Saturday. Okay. And I'm actually really looking forward to our, like, St. Maximin running against their defence because it's insane. Oh, Jesus Christ. John Stones is going to be having nine <laughs> already, isn't he? I know. I really hope he doesn't get injured tomorrow playing against Villa. <laughs> but because. I don't think we'll win, but I think it's it's just going to be quite curious to see what it's like playing against. Obviously, playing against Man City for us has generally been a, a bad thing yeah. for a lot of clubs. Has um, for once, I don't really I don't really dread it, especially if Aguero's injured. That'll help. Yeah, did I say uh, Kepa did his best to help the Man City cause? Did you see his pass to Aguero? Yeah, brilliant. One <laughs> and, Aguero, and Aguero uncharacteristically hit the bar uh, <laughs> afterwards, which was unusual. Um, 
What was the other thing I wanted to say about this? Uh, oh, I've completely forgotten. Completely, what was I going to say? Oh, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone completely. Let's not worry about it then. Uh, on to Sunday's game then. Uh, Sheffield United hosted Manchester United. Uh, this was, what, 5th against 10th? Uh, and not in the way round you would expect it to be. Um, so this finished free all. Could Sheffield United consider themselves unlucky? They played out of the skin for seventy minutes. They like were, Man United, Man United were, were atrocious, but Sheffield were, United were were very very yeah, good. They were brilliant. Like don't get me wrong, I've dug out Sheffield United. I've openly said how much I, I dislike them as a club and whatever. But they were fantastic, absolutely fantastic. But then, Musig was off injured, who, again, me and you have kind of ruled our eyes out a bit. Thinking, yeah, put the what's he, what's he doing? Put in here. But, but he goes off injured, and all of a sudden, Man United score three goals in, what, seven minutes, was it? Yeah, three goals in seven minutes. And to be fair, they were taking Musay off anyway, wasn't they, before he got injured? Oh, well, I mean, he apparently did a hammy or something, after a long ball, but yeah, yeah, yeah. possibly a bit of cramping there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, McGoldrick again, who was also very good, he was gassed and he went off. At one point, they had like four strikers on the pitch, didn't they? Sheffield United, despite oh, winning. Probably, and they're all playing. There's all that centre back or something. Who really knows what yeah, goes on in that team? I'm sure Patterson's a, a striker. Uh, obviously, Billy Sharp, there's a clause in his contract where he has to come on the pitch every game. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, McBurney came on as well. Who's, pa- who's Patterson? Uh, he, he is the. They bought him from Preston, spent like 20. Like, Seven, oh, Robert, seven minutes, Robert Patterson or something? Not Robert, the Batman. Colin Robinson. Colin, Colin Robinson. Colin Robinson, yeah. <laughs> Batman. Yeah, Robert Patterson came on, yeah. 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 Um, but yes, yeah, so I found it strange that Chris Wilder's thrown on strikers and they're 3-0 up. Um, well, 2-0 uh, up uh, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, Sheffield United are really good. But Man United, Wow. So bad. I mean, Pochettino had had his bags packed and was uh, on on his way to Manchester. But, I, I don't, uh, I'd have been going in the opposite direction. Like, <laughs> I've got to ask a question here: Pereira and Fred are they oh. the worst midfield in the Premier League? Uh, yes, is, absolutely, no question about it. Is Pereira the worst player in the Premier League? Uh, well, I thought Fred was the worst player in the Premier League. No, to be fair, no. Fred's had good games. Pereira, like I, I saw multiple people people say because apparently he looks a bit like the lad that used to be in One Direction and I've seen people saying that did the lad from One Direction sneak onto the pitch at some point and take <laughs> his way he is fucking awful like I, I think I wrote down in my notes for the last the last show when we, we didn't record in the end when he scored against Brighton and I'm sure but how is he a Premier League player? Because he scored against Brighton with a shot that was going to the corner flag that deflected him. Yes. And then celebrated like he meant it. I mean, there's so many things at Man United which aren't like the Man United of old. Not least the fact that they've got two idiots in centre midfield. Um, But they've still got the result almost today. Like to go from 2-0 down to 3-2 up. And on another day, VAR might have, might have disallowed Sheffield United's goal. I'm pleased it didn't, by the way. But uh, it was a surprisingly good game. It, it, yeah, it was a, an absolutely cracking game. But yeah, United did everything they can. Like Phil Jones, what the hell was Phil Jones doing? You know how bad it is. Phil Jones went off at half time to be replaced by Jesse Lingard, and Jesse Lingard probably would have done a better job if it had been a like for like replacement, and he'd have played at centre back. 
I couldn't believe he was playing, to be honest. Every every game he's played with Man United recently has just been an absolute disaster. Yeah, it's it's it, 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 it's pure madness. Uh, Sheffield United had a Premier League debutant in goal uh, in Simon Moore, uh, obviously because Dean Henderson can't play against his parent club. Um, but do, do, you hear, is it, do you hear the great start about Simon Moore? Go on. The first player from the Isle of Wight to oh, play in the Premier League. That, didn't they say they weren't sure if that was true or not? Well, I said this because, like, it's it's not exactly like the Outer Hebrides. Is like, I mean, it's well, it's still part of England as well, so it's it's uh, not, it's not like it's, it's a big deal. Like, 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 like this man got a, a boat for twenty minutes at some point to go to, from the Isle of Wight to Southampton. Like, it's not it's not that impressive. Yeah, really, really strange. Um, he, he had a decent game, didn't have much to do. David De Gea, however, had quite a lot to do. Uh, I think inside the first seven minutes, he made that double save uh, from McGoldrick and Fleck, I believe the other shot was from. Yeah, good saves then. Um, but Sheffield United... I, I, so I, I, I remember writing down at the beginning that Sheffield United started brightly and then suddenly were 2-0 up. It was... Yeah, Fleck, Fleck scored the opener. Moussa, who's now scored as many goals this season as he did in three seasons at Bournemouth uh, to be Sheffield United's best uh, like best scorer, uh, leading goal scorer in the Premier League this season. Um, when you, Man United went 3-2 up, though, was that harsh on Sheffield United, do you think? Oh, definitely. I mean, i say they played for 70 minutes and uh, uh, all right, they had a bad 10 minutes, but you, they didn't deserve to lose the game. Haven't played so well for, for the majority of it. But yeah, it, it, it's madness. You know, I, I, I was kind of happy that um, McBurney scored in the last minute to equalise. What did you make of the handball? It wasn't a handball shout. for me. It was a shoulder. No, I mean, look how far his arm is out of the way. Like he's, mm-hmm. it's a, He couldn't have made himself any... Less of a, a long barrier, whatever the term is they use when when they give handball. Like he was, he, he, you know, he can't make himself any smaller, really. Um, so yeah, I was happy with the decision. There, there was a moment when I thought it was going to be given. Like well, it's just, just it, it's just the way it's gone, isn't it? Any sort of joy gets overruled these days. So. That's the thing. It's there. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I was and like considering obviously you see you see the replays and how many times they're looking at it, and in the first instance it looked like a, a handball because it was from the left and, and side and whatever but then the more angles they looked at it it was clearly it wasn't but they yeah. kept looking at it kept looking at it and I'm thinking they're going to rule this out and I'm going to hate football I'm yeah. going to hate football because a Sheffield United goal has been ruled out by VAR <laughs> yeah it was, uh, it, it, it was absolutely madness and uh, stuff like that uh, interesting though um, uh, Williams uh, Brendan Williams is it Got his, Brandon, his, Brandon, 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 yeah. No, so this is weird, right? I was watching this on my computer and I had to restart my computer because it was playing up and it was 2 0 when I restarted my computer. By the time my computer came back on, it was 3 2. That's how long it took to do a Windows update. Wow. Um, and I saw, and so obviously I was looking, just flicking through on Twitter and people like, oh, Williams, what an absolute cracking goal. Uh, and Greenwood, oh, absolutely fantastic goal. I saw both of them. I didn't think anything special of them whatsoever. Uh, Williams, he just clubbed it. I thought well, the technique on his was good because it's well, quite hard to st- yeah. strike a ball that way. On his weaker foot, I think, as well. But still, it's not exactly goal of the season, is it? Yeah, they were making it like it was Ronaldo-esque though, on Twitter and stuff. I think I was just expecting a bit more. Uh, uh, Greenwood, the ball across from Rashford for Greenwood was very good. Yes. The defending yeah. was shocking. 
Um, uh, and to be fair, Rashford hadn't done anything the entire game. I suppose if Man United had better better subs available, he probably wouldn't have been on the pitch. Um, but yeah, so then he yeah he sets up Greenwood to score, uh, and Rashford then scores the third to put Man United three two up. Uh, but even then, Man United didn't look like they were going to close ranks. I, I, I when even when they were three two up, I didn't think they were going to win the game. No, and uh, they obviously made attempts to shore back up because <coughs> two hands Zerbi came on, but it made no difference whatsoever. Yeah, that, that's the thing I say. They, they, they went. I said earlier on, Sheffield United had multiple strikers on on the pitch, uh, still. Um, but yeah, I, I, I genuinely didn't think they were going to win the game, and I almost cheered for Sheffield United. And then yeah, when McBurney scored, it was absolutely fantastic. Because uh, fair play to Sheffield United. Sometimes you see teams that have, you know, they have that good run and whatever. The good, you know, they play really well, and then a bigger team gets themselves back in the game, and then goes on to win because the other team just crumbles. If you know what I mean, they get shocked, they're going to shell shock, really, don't they? Sheffield United didn't do that. Uh, Phil Jagielka had a great game as well. What, what you know? What really annoys me? Go on. When that commentator calls him Jagielka, like... Jagielka. It's because he's got Croatian in him or something, isn't it? Oh, bollocks to it, man. No one calls <laughs> yeah. him... For sure, people call him Jags, don't call him Yags. Yeah, yeah, so... yeah. Yeah, no, I, I remember a time when it was Jagielka, and then obviously, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Musay, though, had a great game again, didn't he? He did, he took a score really well. Mm-hmm. And he set up the first. Yes, he did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be every Sheffield United game I watch, he has a decent game. And he's, I think he's only scored like five goals for them now. Um, but yeah, he, he seems to be like involved in everything. And we, we've, we've spoke already about like Bournemouth and Eddie Howe and how he gets the best out of his players. He's missed a trick, trick here. Because looking at the way he's playing now for Sheffield United, he looks like that Bournemouth kind of player. Like the like your Josh King, you know, well, your, your link-up given, man. If you're given a choice, would you rather have... Least Moussa or Solanke? With least Moussa, I think I'd rather have Billy Sharp. <laughs> than, yeah, than, well. than Solanke, you know. So yeah. are we going to be seeing Solanke at Sheffield United next season, banging in five goals a season? Five goals, as many as that. <laughs> but yeah, no, absolute credit to Sheffield United. They were really good for, for yeah for 70 minutes. They went to sleep for 10, uh, but yeah, managed to get a result. And I think Man United fans... The fact you can see them on, to, on 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 social media, considering themselves lucky to have got a draw at Sheffield United, says a lot. Um, are we expecting Solskjaer to stay in charge while Mister Pochettino is currently looking for a job? Um, yes, I think so. I think they'll wait out the end of the season, unless you know he goes on a, a really bad run. Okay. But at the minute, they're actually on a pretty decent run by recent standards so mm-hmm. um, I think he'll be in charge for the foreseeable future okay uh, so cause the fans <laughs> have turned and now Pochettino's <laughs> available I think Ole out was trending on Twitter before kickoff uh, and stuff like that but say so I know the the talk at the moment is that Bayern Munich are looking at Pochettino now I think it would be fucking hilarious if Pochettino went to Bayern Munich and then got rocks back up at Tottenham in a couple of weeks' time in the Champions League. Uh, <laughs> um, I think that'd be brilliant uh, if he doesn't rock up at the Emirates, um, which isn't going to happen. So, yeah, I just wondered whether, you know, Man United would, would be looking at pulling the trigger and obviously they'd need... It would be better if Man United had a bad result 
before pulling the trigger because they could be more justified, I suppose. Uh, oh, know, and if they'd lost today, it would have been interesting. That's what I mean. It? Yeah, if they'd lost today, they must be, you know, they must be thinking, right, well, here you go. There's our excuse. If they'd have gone and won five nil today, then they're like, ah, bollocks, uh, <laughs> and whatever. So yeah, I think I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of weeks, managerial wise. Um, I hate to ask this question, Dave. Are Sheffield United staying up this season? Oh, comfortably. I mean, they're, they're sixth. <laughs> <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? it is. Absolutely but, mad. But, but they thoroughly deserve it as well. Yeah. Like, it's not, yeah, it's it's, not like it, they've... Uh... I know. Uh, we've had jokes about you know their overlapping centre-backs and Billy Sharp being a fucking League One striker and whatever. But yeah, they they, they are playing. Like, they're, they're playing better than my club, for sure. They've got mm-hmm. strikers who are scoring, so they're probably doing better than your club uh, and stuff <laughs> like that as well. It's... Yeah. Hey, hey, here's something to worry you. If we if we win on Monday night, we will go level on points with Sheffield United. Really? Fact, Hang on, if, what? We'll go level on points with you as well. We'll be, I mean, we'll be ninth because our goal difference is terrible, but still. You, I was going to say, how terrible is your goal difference if you're still below us on the same points? Well, we're currently minus seven, so unless we win 6-0 at Villa Park, we'll be below you. But uh, we live in hope of that. Oh, God. Henry's still got a job when Newcastle and Sheffield United are on the same points. Uh, but yeah, you know, Sheffield's not absolutely flying. I think I think I saw somewhere that this is the best start by a prem- by a promoted team since West Ham came back into the Premier League after their one season away. Was it? Yeah, well, it's impressive, though, isn't it? Yeah, and, and none of us saw this coming. They haven't broke the bank either. I know they've, they've bought. I mean, Musa cost. I was going to say, didn't they? Spend, more more, didn't, more than he should have done. Spent twenty but, million pounds on him. Yeah, but generally they've only they've only bought a handful of players. Mm, yeah, but yeah, and that's the thing. They bought attacking players as well, and you know we probably, and I think that's where a lot of people m- might not have given them credit because I haven't watched Sheffield United because they're that sort of you just you expect them to play a certain way, don't you? You hear the name Sheffield United and you're expecting Chris Morgan hoofing the ball. Well, you are though, and you look at him. Obviously, you look at the team, and you look at who their manager is, and you think, yeah, you know. Yeah, this is long long yeah. balls in the box, percentage football, but he's actually he's a very astute manager, Wilder. Yeah, they, and they, yeah, they say well, I've had my jokes at their expense, but yeah, they're, they're they're playing football that as an Arsenal fan I can only dream of at the moment. Like I think they had more shots on target in the first ten minutes <laughs> than we've had in our last four games. Wow. The thing is, well, you wouldn't say it like oh, all these players are going to get picked off by other teams. No, these who, players, who are these, you, these boy? Play, who, who these play, these players only work in this system, and yeah. that's the that's kind of the beauty of it, isn't you it? Know, like Wilder's coached them all to play this system, and that's it's the very... thing. Pep isn't coming in for Steve Basham, is he? In the <laughs> summer, <laughs> you know, not, not a hope in hell. I think I think Henderson, you know, but he's on loan from a from another club and stuff like that. Okay, there might be a couple of French clubs looking at Mousset and stuff like that. But yeah, you're right. There is nobody in that team that he's going to be picked off by by another Premier League club at least and stuff like that. But yeah. Uh, it's mad. Um, how long can they carry it on for? So you're saying that they'll stay up comfortably, which it's it's hard to disagree with at the moment. But where do, uh, is it? Remember when Ipswich did this? Yeah, but even they lasted a season. Well, that's what I mean, you know. But then they capitulated the second season. Yeah, but I mean that's the thing, though. But then they got Euro- they got European football, didn't they? Ipswich, which seemed to be a curse for them. I don't think Sheffield United will push it that far because obviously European places are a bit tighter now. And stuff like that. But the thing is, like, you look at their next games, right? They've got Wolves next weekend. All right, probably won't win, but you never know. Then they've got us. They've got Norwich. They've got Villa. They've got Brighton. They've got Watford. 
could make a case for them they, winning they all the of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's, it's really, really strange. Like, I know the league's a bit muddled up at the moment anyway, and it's quite tight in places, but I never anticipated Sheffield United to be right up there. No, Mad- I didn't. Madness. But then again, right, so you've just said, like, if you win tomorrow, you're level on points with Sheffield United, right? Now, remember it was all doom and gloom with Steve Bruce at the beginning of the season and whatever. Yeah. Where, does, that, does that constitute as a good performance, the fact that you're level on points with Sheffield United, who everyone is openly saying are brilliant and performing really well in the league? I think it does. I mean, if we win, if, if this is all a hypothetical cause, we have to win first, but if yeah. we do, then... Um, that's a very good start for us. I say, we'll be... I, I say that what put what do you say would put you ninth? Say uh, yes, because we'd have eight, we'd have eighteen the same as yourselves, Burnley and Sheffield United, and would have one more point than Man United. Bloody hell! I know. It's the season's gone mad, isn't it? Season's but gone absolutely but you, mad. But you, I mean, you could throw a blanket over most of these teams, like West Ham, sixteen to thirteen points; Wolves, fifth, nineteen points. Like it's it's a couple of wins. Mm. Pretty tight, but, but yeah, overlapping centre back save. That's what you got to do. You've got goal scoring ones. Well, that's all we do. We just <laughs> we just win, win set pieces and then put them under pressure with uh, Big Kieran Clark. Yeah, wicked. Uh, right, I, I haven't missed any more games ever, Dave. I'm so, so no, uh, I think that's it. <laughs> um, uh, so please pinpoint your socials. It's been a while. It has. Uh, so on Twitter we are at cm nine seven nine eight. Uh, I actually got Instagram whilst I was... Uh, yes, I was going to say, does it, any Instagram has appeared? I can't know what it is, though, so I wouldn't worry yourselves with that. Oh, can I find it? Can I find it? Can I find it? Uh, keep going with your other stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, so the website is uh, cm9798.co.uk. We've uh, got the, the two series running at the minute, so get yourselves along and have a look. Uh, Dave's Instagram is davetin9. That's the one. Yeah, Dave Tin Nine. Uh, he is a very stupid man, apparently. I don't agree with that for a second. Uh, if you want to see pictures of Dave sleeping, though, no, it's the place to be. That is the place to be. And a random picture of Jimmy White, which, which completely caught me off guard. Um, <laughs> oh, but, oh, so, well, I didn't put the one of me and Jimmy on, just me and me, uh, Jimmy and me dad. But yeah. uh, who knows? Maybe that one will be coming up soon. Yeah. Uh, you can catch us at Man on the Post. We are on Twitter, Facebook. Instagram, all of those things. Um, you've got something else coming up soon, Dave? Apparently, I've heard hints. Well, this hasn't really been formalised yet, but in the new year, we're looking to uh, to launch Champman on the Post, which is going to be a championship manager-based podcast, which we don't think currently exists in the market. And I get asked every week if there's going to be one, so okay. we're going to have a crack at that in the new year. Interestingly enough, IGN have just launched a football manager podcast as well. Well... Well, there you go. So, yeah. Boot to them. <laughs> Boot to them. It, it, it won't be uh, anywhere near the standard of, of what you guys come with, I imagine. There's, I, I, I guarantee it'll be, more, it'll be professionally produced, but ours will not be. And that's <laughs> the main thing. Oh, I was saying theirs. Was gonna, theirs is a bit lapsidatical. Don't worry, it's, 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 it's interesting to listen to, but there's no detail in it whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Anything else you'd like to go over while you're here? Uh, no, it's just good to be back, and no, uh, ho- hopefully I'll be here next week as well. Good, glad to have you back, and so glad not to have had a screaming child in the background. Oh, you'd have an excuse, though, to be fair, having <laughs> an actual baby, but, oh, yeah, 
Let's, let's not let's let's not rant about that. I avoided ranting about Arsenal, so I'm going to avoid <laughs> ranting about people's children appearing on podcasts. Uh, so yeah, that's it from us. Uh, we'll be back next weekend, and always remember to keep your man on the. Floor. <laughs>